It's time to get all set for Sunday, a podcast for busy and distracted Catholics with your hosts, Scott Williams and Jeff Trailer. When I hear the coffee brewing, I think, what the heck we doing? Because I got barely any sleep last night. As the diaper bag I pack with hot wheels, dollies, and some snacks, I say, oh, pray there'll be a seat in the cry room this time. It's all right, because I'm all set for Sunday. Matthew, Mark, or Luke, or John, no idea what's going on. I can't pay attention at any good rate. Looks from parishioners, old ladies, and ushers. I guess I'll throw some extra bucks in the collection plate. It's all right, because I'm all set for Sunday. It's all right, because I'm all set for. It's all right, because I'm all set for. It's all right, because I'm all set for Sunday. Welcome to All Set for Sunday, a podcast for busy and distracted Catholics to be more prepared for Sunday Mass when they go to church at, at uh, um, you know, tired, confused, with children, not with children. Maybe you're just busy. Bring us your tired, your poor, your weary. We got you covered. Souls yearning for freedom. This week on, what's the name of our show? All Set for Sunday. All Set for Sunday. <laughs> Bang and start there, Scott. We're really, are, we're really. Are we this all out. set? Are we all set for all set for Sunday? Not, we're we're not even all set for the intro to our podcast. We're killing it. But uh, if anybody's killing it, it's our guest this week, Father Jeff Dufresne, joining us. Uh, Father Jeff Dufresne, pastor of Saint Philip Neri Parish on the near that east side correct. of Indianapolis. Uh, pastor, CEO, President, COO, CFO. <laughs> Uh, chairman of the board of trustees, uh, okay. member of his own finance council. I'm just guessing on all these things, but Father well, Jeff, thanks uh, for joining us. Thanks for having me. It's good to be with you all virtually. Um, you made it back. I, a second uh, I did. Apparently I made the cut. You know, I was stoked to get the, to get the invite. You know, this is a very exclusive club of the priests of the archdiocese you know that respond <laughs> to your a, emails yeah we you know you, <laughs> those that respond to your emails. yeah you we have a bar you have to really like not trip over the bar basically and that that's where we keep it and uh you can get on the podcast so thanks for can you on. can you figure out how to book an appointment that's the that the really bar. is the threshold for a lot of <laughs> you know what though we've never had a no-show that's true which we've, we've had some some struggles to with technology, but that's about it. I I this I think that's impressive. Good job, priests and clergy. And that's that's actually that we're batting a thousand on something is is really good. So, <laughs> um, so oh, I just want to I want to go back a little bit to the introduction because Jeff, you knew this was you knew this was going to get under my skin. Um, you, well, you made of those titles. A few of those titles were correct. I am the pastor of St. Philip Neri, um, but I I don't Which know if it's correct or not. But right. I just I just don't like I just don't like the CEO. Um, I don't think I'm the COO of anything or the CFO of anything, but I am the pastor. Now I'm going to have to ask a lawyer if I'm actually the CEO in civil law or something. But that's a good question. That is a good question. Uh, I'm sure not like the law would not say you're a CEO, but it may uh, put some level of liability on you. So, Hey, there's that. (laughs) 
All right. Yeah, I, I just, I love pastor. Pastor and father are really great titles that I cherish. Well, Father Pastor Dufresne, <laughs> thanks for being here with us. Reverend, what's, what are you holding? What's in your hand? Oh, sorry. It's a prayer rope. Oh. So it's a, a prayer, a knotted prayer rope that you use to pray. Have you heard of the Jesus prayer? Um, tell me more. So the, the Jesus prayer is a short prayer that uh, is simply saying, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And it's one of the most ancient prayers. It actually works as an, as a, an act of contrition. So if you forget the act of contrition, you can just say, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner, and you're good. Um, ah. But uh, it's one of the most ancient prayers in the church. So monks have been saying it for, for a very long time. That's awesome. That felt like a real trap there when you said, do you know the Jesus prayer? Cause like, that sounds like something you should know. Right. And you were like, <laughs> you said that. And I was like, I do not know the Jesus. Isn't that like, that's all of them. Right. I mean, well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and like in, in religious ed, it's like the answer to everything is Jesus and every prayer is the Jesus prayer. That's yeah. But you know, the, to be fair, the, uh, the Jesus prayer is typically an Eastern Christian practice. It's not something that's well known in the, in the Latin Catholic world. So you're off I the hook about my level of Catholicity. Now that I feel a little bit better. I don't, but <laughs> that doesn't matter. That's why we have a podcast for busy and distracted Catholics. Yeah. Jeff, you want to take us to the two minute drill? I would love to. It's a 15th Sunday in ordinary time. Praise God. We're, we're in the heat of the summer. Uh, Father, does your parish have air conditioning? Oh, it does. Yes. Oh, God bless you. That's good. I know you have an older church and I know that sometimes you find those older churches without AC. And so I'm glad to know that because it has been hot in this, uh, in this neck of the woods. So 15th Sunday in ordinary time as your parishioners are relaxing in the cool sanctuary. Uh, Our first reading is going to come from Amos. Right. So Amos starts off with Amaziah who's from Bethel, he's talking to Amos and he says, you got to get going, boy. You ain't welcome in Judah. Like we don't want you around here. And I think he's accusing him of like slinging prophecies, like f- being a fake prophet and like acting like he has prophecies. So people will give him money. Cause he says like, you can go earn your bread somewhere else. Like you're not welcome around here. And Amos says, no, sir. Listen, I am just <laughs> a shepherd. I was a dresser of sycamores which I want to dive into later, but we won't right now. Uh, But he said, but God told me to prophecy here. And like, if God tells me that I'm going to show up here. So I'm going to be here and I'm going to prophecy in Israel. Uh, The responsorial Psalm. Scott, we got a banger. Yeah. What is it? Oh yeah. Oh Lord, let us see your kindness and grant us salvation. Oh, this is one I can, you can for sure that I take you back. Close your eyes. You can hear just that one music minister in your parish, just getting up there. Just really mm. letting loose with the deep, Lord, let us see your kindness, and just like real passionate, real breathy, right? Like they're just you know, <laughs> really, you you know, I'm right, don't you? You're going to hear it this weekend. It's going to be great. You might hear it in Spanish too. I I wonder if our responsible psalms that are like bangers, like the really good, are they the same in Spanish, or like do people also really get into them in Spanish, or are there different ones? There are different ones. Yeah. Oh. All right. Well, good answer. Yes. Would it crush me? All right. uh, (laughs) Second reading then comes from Ephesians. 
the second reading, we have a long form and a short form. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, Father, we referred to this as the the full marathon or the half marathon and the five k. So I went with the five k version. Uh, the the short form of the reading it says you heavily roll your eyes at me. Uh, and it says in in this the reading letter to the Ephesians. He's he he's just excited. He says, "Hey, blessed be God. He gave us Jesus. He gave us everything that is pure and good. He adopted us through Jesus." And then Jesus redeemed us with his blood. He gave us forgiveness of sins. He showed us the end game. He showed us what this is all about and why we're here and what we're doing. Go team. Like, okay. let's do this. Let's get behind it. And then we have our uh, gospel reading this week. Gospel comes from Mark chapter 6, 7 to 13. It says, Jesus summoned the 12 and began to send them out two by two. He gave them authority over unclean spirits. He instructed them to take nothing for the journey but a walking stick. No food, no sack, no money in their belts. They were, however, to wear sandals, but not as a second tunic, or but not a second tunic. He said to them, whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave. Whatever place does not welcome you or listen to you, leave there, shake the dust off your feet in testimony against them. So they went off and preached the repentance. And the 12 drove out many demons, and they anointed with oil many who were sick and cured them. All right. That was a very enthusiastic recap. Thanks, Jeff. Oh, thanks. Did uh, Father Father Jeff? Did Jeff get anything wrong? Well, Jeff, I really appreciate your work. I love the I love the two minute drill. Oh, um, and are you, gonna, are you gonna dog him for doing the short form? No, because okay. I'm going to dog him for other things. So, yes. <laughs> yay! This is Scott's it's been a minute. Oh, so. Right. I'm not actually going to dog you, Jeff. Just a couple of minor things. So, <laughs> the, so Amaziah, if I remember correctly, is telling Amos to go back to Judah, not to get out of Judah, which is a minor correction. Because, um, you know, Judah and Israel were like separate kingdoms. Um, ah. And Israel was actually being idolatrous during this time. So Amaziah is like, trying to get a true prophet out of Israel because he's offending the king. And Amaziah is a priest. This isn't a great reading for priests because Amaziah is the bad guy here. But, mm. uh, but yeah, every, everything else. Um, I wish I knew more now about dressers of sycamores because yeah, what is a dress? Like, how are you a shepherd and a dress? Was that his side hustle? Like <laughs> I, I dress up sycamore trees. Uh, I'm for, always going to think of this as Amos's side hustle now. Um, yeah, for S's so and G's. Somewhere, just, somewhere there's a weird market for people that that <laughs> make sycamore trees fancy. So everyone's got a thing. <laughs> so if you think of if you think of a vine and what someone who cares for or cultivates a vine in the Bible is often called, they're called a vine dresser, right? So it's someone who cares mm. for the plant, who prunes it who fertilizes it, who makes sure it bears good fruit. So I, having no knowledge of this myself, I, I'm not good with trees. I don't have a green thumb. Um, but I'm guessing that a dresser of sycamores is someone who cares for the trees, um, fertilizes them, you know, things like that. So that's a, that is a very good educated guess. I bet it's right. What, yeah, are, what do you? Uh, than what we came up with yeah. over here. <laughs> what are you preaching on this weekend? Well, um, it's interesting. The Lord just today 
um, really made it clear that he wasn't interested in my plan. So I had a plan. I'm looking at it right now on my computer screen. Um, and I thought it was great, but the Lord just told me he's not really interested in it. So, um, <laughs> so how, how instead, it's a bummer. Well, I was, I was kind of talking with, uh, I was on a Skype call with someone before we talked today and I was telling him like, I'm about to go on this podcast and talk about all this. And, um, but I, I had a lot more energy about talking about something that happened to me this past week. And, uh, that fit really well with the readings. And so what I started to sense, like, this is really what the Lord has given me to say right now. Um, so it's, you know, the Lord did not appear to me. Um, sometimes I wish he would, um, but he didn't appear to me and say, this is what you're going to say. Here's your homily. Awesome. Yeah, I kind of thought you were going to say you were on a Skype call with the Lord. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> that, I haven't tried that way of prayer. Have, have you? Yeah, Zoom's, with Zoom's better. Yeah. So anyway, so <laughs> to, get to, to get to what I'm actually going to preach about, the, these readings, I rarely preach about all, read, all three readings or even say that the three readings have a common thread because it's, it's often not the case, right? Um, but all of these readings are about identity. It's about who we are, who Amos is, who the apostles are, who we are. And, uh, and part of our identity um, is, is obviously wrapped up in Christ, as St. Paul says, but a huge piece of our identity that is wrapped up in Christ is, is our radical dependence on God, right? And that, that really comes through in these readings in three ways. So we have we have, first of all, Amos, who is kind of getting dogged for being a, being a prophet um, and preaching the Lord's word. He's getting chased out of town. And he's like, look, I'm, I'm not a professional prophet, which was actually a thing in this time. Like, uh, there were professional prophets who would, like, make a living being prophets for people. Amos is like, I have no skills as a prophet. Like, I'm a shepherd and a a dresser of sycamore trees. Like I <laughs> not, I have no skills. I don't have like any formation and being a prophet. God just chose me. So Amos is completely dependent on the Lord in his prophecy, which any good prophet is right. They're just saying what God says to them. Um, so we see that radical dependency and how, how Amos's prophecy, it's not based in his skill it's not based in his, like a strategy. He doesn't have a program that he's doing. It's it's his identity. It's who God has called him to be. Um, then we see the uh, the apostles in the gospel, right? And Jesus, it's it's fascinating. Jesus calls them, and he summons them, and he starts sending them out two by two. Um, and and what does he do? Like this is his mission, right? He's he's come to to save the world to preach the good news and how is he going to get the good news to people he's going to send out these 12 guys two by two uh and so of course he's going to give them like a a full-blown seminar first on how to be an apostle and give them all the necessary supplies and all the except he's not <laughs> right what right. what does he do he he gives them authority over unclean spirits 
And he instructed them to take nothing for the journey but a walking stick. So Jesus doesn't make professional apostles. He gives the apostles an identity when he Mm. sends them out. Uh, And that identity is complete dependence, right? So he's, he's sending them out without anything but a walking stick. You can't even take a second tunic. And, and this is just almost impossible for, for me to imagine. Like, yeah, you know, to, to think of being sent out by the Lord, you know, great. I've got authority over unclean spirits, but I don't have like food. I don't have water. I don't. And, and so they're being called to radical dependence in their apostolate and their ministry. Um, have you already told us the thing that happened to you that made you focus on this? Or is that, is that forthcoming? It's forthcoming. Okay. So I, I want to make sure I didn't miss it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's forthcoming, but really focusing on dependence. So the, uh, this thing about the apostles and their call is that they're being called to participate in Jesus's identity. Right. So, their call is to be completely dependent as Jesus was dependent in the incarnation. Um, and their, their call is also to have authority over unclean spirits, which is authority over fallen angels. Well, who has authority over the angels? Only God, right? Well, Jesus is giving them his authority. So he's giving them his, a share in his identity. Now, what did all of this make me think of? Um, well, when you look at when you look at Saint Paul, like you said, Jeff, you are exactly right. God has given us everything, right? God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, has has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing, and He chose us in Christ for adoption to Himself. So basically, God has chosen us, like He chose Amos, like He chose the apostles. And he's given us a new identity in Christ. So he wants us to participate in Christ's identity like the apostles did. Well, my most recent experience of this, um, of this radical dependence, because I'm so excited. There's been a lot of build up here. <laughs> we're, we're, we're completely dependent on God, right? Like, yeah. God sustains us. He, he brings us into life. He sustains us in life. Um, he gives whether us we, everything that we have. Whether we acknowledge it or not, we are. Yeah. And, and the difference between us and Jesus is that in his life on earth, Jesus never forgot his dependence on the Father. Right? So I was recently reminded in a very real way of my dependence on the Father because um, and I've tried intentionally so that you guys can't see this, but I'm actually wearing a sling right now. Um, my right arm is in a sling because I had a surgery on my shoulder last oh, Monday. Dang. Like emergency so, surgery or? No, 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 no. It was totally, <clears throat> totally planned. Um, just, just to kind of fix up my shoulder a little bit. Um, and what was amazing was the spiritual experience of the surgery because anybody who's had surgery knows that the physical experience of a surgery is not amazing. Like 
but (laughs) it's, it's terrible. Um, but I didn't realize, you know, as I was reflecting on what happened to me during surgery, um, I went in to the, the outpatient hospital and you go in there and you've got, you just walk in as you normally would walk in anywhere. You've got your, your fully dressed, obviously you have phone keys, wallet. I've got my glasses, you know, you, you have everything that you need to get anywhere you need to go. Right. We have all these things we take with us everywhere. The and then EDC, you go, uh, yeah, you're, that's perfect. Every day you've got your, you've got your EDC. Well, I walk into the hospital with my EDC and I totally wasn't conscious of the fact that they're about to take all of this away from me. Right. So I get taken back to this room um, and they give you a hospital gown. They give you a bag to put all your belongings in and you have to hand someone else your phone, your wallet, your keys you know, your glasses, if you've got glasses and all the clothes you were wearing and put on a hospital gown, like you're stripped of everything that you had going into the hospital. Mm. And why did they do that? So that someone can knock you out with anesthesia and work on your cut into your body while you're not awake. So like very rarely do I have as clear an experience of radical dependence. Like I was putting my life, like my body into this doctor's hands. Right. And the, and the anesthesiologist and all their assistants and everything. And I'm, they, they basically put you in this room and they're like, okay, now that we've taken everything away from you, the doctor will be in in about an hour to prep you for surgery. And I'm just laying there on a hospital bed and just very conscious of the fact that like, I have nothing. Wait, they said and an hour. You have to wait an yeah, hour. Yeah. They took your phone and made you lay for an hour. That's torture. I know, right? When was the last time that you were awake <laughs> and without your phone for an hour? That's what I had to ask myself. And it was retreat. But anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I just realized all of this stuff has been taken away from me. And now I have no choice but to sit there and pray. And this is how God, you know, this is how God gets you where he wants you. He's like, I'm going to make it so prayer is your only choice. That's how I'll get them. Um, So anyway, as I'm sitting there praying, I'm just, it wasn't until all of those things were taken away that I could really surrender to the Lord. What was going to happen to me? Like surgery is kind of, even if it's something minor and you plan it and all of it, it's, it's still kind of nerve wracking to like be under general anesthesia. And like, you're not even, you're not in control of anything. You're not even in control of uh, one of my friends reminded me like, you're not even in control of when you wake up. And I was like, thanks for that reminder. Uh, but, but anyway, so you're just laying there and, but when all of those things were taken away, I was able to completely entrust myself to Christ and mm-hmm. to say, your will be done. My life is in your hands as it always is. But I, I didn't have any of the typical crutches that I lean on. Um, I didn't have any anything to depend on myself with, right? So there's no self-dependence left. All I have is depending on God. Well, and I'm sure that, it's, it's carried uh, forward as well because just 
like what a lesson to learn. And then you walk out and you've only got one arm for a while. And like, you're a pretty active guy and fit guy. And I know like you, I'm sure you're very involved around the parish and stuff. I'm sure that's been a little humbling too, where it's like, well, but also sit for a while and you only have one arm to do anything. And if you try to do anything else, it's going to hurt. Yeah. Yeah. No. And it, like, I need people to drive me places sometimes. And it, you know, if, it's just complete dependence and it just keeps going. And so I've been, I'm able to see this gospel in a radically new light um, because I've had a moment of complete dependence. And we all have these moments at different times when, when everything in our life that, that we use to convince ourselves that we're in control is taken away. We all have these moments. Um, and and they're terrifying, but they're also these opportunities to recognize the reality that's always true. Um, that that our life is in the hands of the Father, that we can completely depend upon Him. And these are these are the moments when Christ is sending us out, like when He's saying to us, "Take nothing but a walking stick. Like, don't pile up all of these things. Like, don't take a bunch of extra food or a bunch of extra water. Or don't kind of focus too much on." your strategy or anything, trust in the father. And it's not that any of those things are bad, but what is bad is us forgetting our ultimate dependence on God. Um, what do, where do you see the intersection of radical dependence on God and radical trust in God playing? Cause those are like two frequent words that we've said throughout the past five minutes and they really can't go, can't do one without the other. But sometimes I guess you're forced into one. Do you see a major difference between those two disciplines? Well, I, I think dependence on God is just the reality, right? Whether, like you said, you said it very well, Jeff, whether you recognize it or not, um, you are dependent on God. Like God is sustaining you in your existence, right? That's just true. Trust, like trust is our response to that reality of dependence. Cause there are multiple ways to respond to, to, to the realization that we're dependent on God. One is to say, I'm not going to depend on God and I'm going to do everything myself. And I'm going to try to control my life as best I can. And, and I'm going to pretend like God doesn't exist. The other one is to, to respond like with various um, kind of emotional responses to that, to try to deny it, to try to, to, to get angry, you know, whatever, whatever it might be. But another option is to trust, to, to come face to face with the reality of dependence on God and to say, you know, father, I trust in you. So I, I think trust and dependence are distinct in that everyone is necessarily dependent completely upon God, but everyone does not necessarily trust God in the reality of their dependence. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I think was, so. That makes a lot of sense. So, and, and for every moment that I, I respond and trust there have been like a million where I haven't. Um, but, but it's in these, it's in these moments that we have an opportunity um, to actually take the Lord at his word, to trust that he's faithful to his promises to. Um, and, and so as I'm thinking about this for, uh, for like ordinary Christians, because we're not all going to have surgery this week. Right. I hope. Um, Just but you and the Pope. Yeah. Well, hey. Oh, you're Papa. That's true. I should. Those are recovering should, together. Uh, yeah, I've I've been uh, I've definitely been praying for him. 
that was something I thought I was like, oh man, he's got a way bigger job than I do, and it'd be way worse <laughs> to be pope and be in surgery than to be pastor and be in surgery. Like my people are so understanding. God bless them. Um, but thinking of this for ordinary Christians, you know, like you said, Jeff, you were left alone with your phone without an app, without your phone for an hour. I mean, I I had the same thought. I was like. You already took my phone and you didn't tell me I was going to be in here for an hour? <laughs> Come on. I mean, that's the reality. Nobody wants to admit that that's how you feel. But, like, if somebody told me I had to sit in a room, I'd be like, oh, man. Like, I'm going to read every magazine, every diagram. Count every ceiling tile. Play with all the shoulder, like, pieces that are in there and see if you can. Like, yeah. yeah, you're going you're gonna to do all of that. Um, you're going to be in a room without your phone, be in a, be in a hospital bed with an IV in already. Yeah, I that would be a bad situation for me because my general instinct when I'm in a medical facility and they say, well, we'll come back in a little bit. Is, I'm like, what's in all those drawers? And then I just start peeking around. <laughs> and, you know, maybe I won't be invited back at some point after this has gone public. But um, <laughs> I don't think we go that public. <laughs> yeah, well, that never occurred. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, may I ask? A question that wasn't directly related to what you focused on in the gospel, but something I am curious about in this gospel. Um, sure. I'm trying to think if there was any. Other... I'll try to guess this no. question. Just tell him, can he ask or not? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> okay. Or, do you have more? Do you want to, did you, did you have more to say? No, I think that's a good place to. to I thought that was a great uh, place to stop that thought. Um, in this gospel, it says, whatever place does not welcome you or listen to you, leave there and shake the dust off of your feet in testimony against them. Uh, I've often seen this verse of the Bible. Uh, how do you say this? Like just giving you an excuse to be a butthead. Um, and like write people off or, you know, I don't know. How, how should we respond to that as Christian? Like people say that, well, Jesus said to do this. And then they like refer to this specific passage, but I don't think that's what Jesus meant. Yeah. So that's one really way weird to way to ask that question. And I apologize. Uh, no, I understand exactly what you're, Tell us what Jesus what was you're asking. Um, I cannot do that. Um, <laughs> I can barely tell you what I'm thinking, but the uh, one way to interpret this is to say that this is Jesus kind of drawing the line of what the apostle's responsibility is, right? So when you give someone a mission, you have to tell them what they're responsible for in that mission. So what one way to interpret it is to say the, the apostle's responsibility is to preach the gospel, to, to, to walk into town without anything, to depend on people for food and drink, to live with people in a house. So the, assuming the apostle is doing all of those things, and then to share with them the good news of the kingdom, which is repent, right? Mm -hmm. And believe, believe in the gospel, the good news of Jesus. So assuming the apostle have done, has done all of these things that he's responsible for, what he isn't responsible for, and in fact, what he can't be responsible for, is how people respond to mm -hmm. that preaching, right? So 
Jesus is asking a lot of the apostles. You're going to go and be completely dependent on strangers. You're going to live among them. You're going to tell them the good news. But if they, if, if they're not accepting it, your mission continues. You don't, you, you need to go and preach to other people who might accept it. So, so the apostle, the preacher, you know, the Christian, because all of us are called and by our baptism to take on this identity of Christ and to, to share the good news, we are responsible for sharing the good news, for living the good news. We can't ever be responsible for how people receive it because that's because they have free will, right? Um, yeah. No, so we see sense. this happen to Christ. I think that, that's, that answers the question very well. Jeff, are you ready for dumb questions or did you have anything else you wanted to talk, reflect on? Uh, the only other thing that I took away there is like when you talk about that dependence on others, I think it's really important dependence on God. It's also always really important to take away that like he sent them out two by two. Like he said, like, I know you're going to fail at this, so I'm going to give you some backup. And like, you guys can all figure this out together and you've all been trained, but he didn't necessarily send them on their own right away. Many of them ended up on their own, but they weren't on their own either. They had built their own followers. And so I think that's really cool that, that on top of everything, he was like, but I know it's not totally going to work. So I'm going to send you some back. And and I think you're exactly right, Jeff. And just the, to try to put a, put a bow on like the thought um, that I'm having, like this dependency on God, trying to allow these things to be stripped away um, so that we can trust in him more completely. Um, it's only possible in the context of Christian community, right? Like mm. that moment of me being alone and choosing for once, like to trust was only possible because of all the people praying for me, all the, all, all the people that have kind of formed me over the years and, and good spiritual friends and, and things like that. So brother priests, so that's a great insight. I'm really grateful for that. Thanks for writing my homily for me. There we yeah, go. I've been complimented multiple times by you in this podcast. I'm enjoying it. All right. <laughs> it's time for Jeff's Dumb Questions. The part in the show where the glow of the flame of knowledge grows a little dimmer and our collective IQ goes down a few points, all thanks to Jeff. We're sorry. All right, Jeff. Take it away. What do you got for us? All right. Uh, the first isn't a question so much as an observation because, Father, I think this is the first time I've seen you not in clerics, but like, has anybody ever told you you look like a cop? <laughs> like, I think if I, I think if I saw you like walking around a tailgate at like a concert, I would assume you were like an excise cop. Yeah. The, the earbuds don't kids. help. Yeah. No. I don't know. <laughs> That's funny. Um, I, I have been asked before if I'm military when I, yeah, when I cut my hair real short. Like so, one time somebody offered me like the military complimentary package on an airplane and I had to like convince them that I wasn't actually in the military. <laughs> you should you should have just said, I'll take it and thank me for my service. Um. My, my conscience wouldn't allow that, I don't think. <laughs> no, it's the mustache. Your mustache just screams state trooper. I don't know what. It <laughs> oh, gosh, I'm going to shave today. <laughs> All right. So not a dumb question, just a dumb observation. Uh Wait, but in this conversation that we've had today, I've been thinking like, so this Sunday, you're going to have to celebrate mass one armed. Like, what are you nervous about? Um, well, I've been, I, I've celebrated a couple of masses 
Yeah. Um, some in private, one in public and it, you just have muscle memory. And so it's like, every time I say mass in a new church, I forget how to say mass. Um, now it's happening like in my church that I'm forgetting how to say mass. Cause I have to, I have to, uh, do some things with my left hand that I'd usually do with my right hand and the muscle memory is kind of gone. So I'm nervous about getting, forgetting where I am in the mass. During, uh, during the pandemic, uh, the archbishop covered a mass at St. Mark where I'm at when father Tim had COVID and the archbishop like kind of fumbled his way through mass. And afterwards he was like, guys, I'm so used to having like an MC and a deacon up here. Like I didn't even know what I was doing. Like, I appreciate that you guys were (laughs) so to that same concept of like, he says mass all the time, but when he had to like do it all by himself, like my, my daughter next to me, who's like a lead server, she was like, Oh my gosh, I feel so bad for him. He's messing so much. stuff up." All right. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to wrap it up with my favorite question of the summer that we've been talking to priests about, uh, I feel like every priest has a great story about when they were a summer seminarian. And we've been asking a lot of questions about those, those summers living in rectories, living with priests, lessons learned, funny stories. Uh, what, what's your, your great story about your time as a summer seminarian? What's the most memorable moment? Oh, well, I'm glad I listened, um, this summer so that I could be prepared for this question. Um, (laughs) because this is not, this is not a story that I would ordinarily tell on a podcast, but I think I've, (laughs) I think I've reconciled myself with the fact that people are going to know this about me publicly. So, um, and you've heard some pretty embarrassing stories. So (laughs) as a deacon, um, I was assigned to our lady of the Greenwood in Greenwood, Indiana. Queen of the Holy Road. Yes, sorry, I forgot the full name. I forgot to say the full name of the. We did the most holy resident. Oh, sorry. So, so <laughs> I was assigned there as a deacon, and the pastor was the man, the myth, the legend, Monsignor Mark Schwartzkopf. Oh, one of the greats, and one of my greatest. He absolutely uh, one of the greats, and so you know, your summer as a deacon, you do a lot of things that are. Uh, pastoral that your pastor kind of teaches you, forms you how to do. Um, but, but Monsignor also really encouraged my love of the game of golf a lot during the, <laughs> during the so um, Jeff, as you, as you pointed out, you know, I'm, I, I try to be an active guy. Um, so I love, I love playing golf and sometimes it's good to like practice golf, even when you're not able to really golf, um, like go out and play around a golf. So, Monsignor was away on a trip and he had told me earlier in the summer that, you know, there, there were higher ceilings in the basement of the rectory, which is where my room was. And that, you know, he had this dream. I don't think he ever actually was going to do this, but it was like, you know, those ceilings are pretty high. We could put a, we could put an indoor driving range in down here, Um, which was like the signal to me, like it's okay to practice swinging a golf club in the basement. (laughs) um and you know sometimes it was fun like i would just like take out my putter and put a ball and kind of practice but you know i wanted to take some full swings and all this stuff so so one day i got out my four iron and i had done this almost every night so i get out my my four iron one night and i'm just swinging it and it's i'm a tall guy but there are tall ceilings and i i'm swinging pretty well and i just i take this swing and 
before I know what happened, there's this loud bang. And I look up to see my four iron dangling from the ceiling. (laughs) So my four iron slipped out of my hands implanted itself in the plaster ceiling and smacked against the ceiling and then was just dangling there. And all I can think is I'm in trouble. (laughs) Anyway, long story short, I patched the plaster before Monsignor got back. Um, My dad's a handyman. He really saved my back on this one. Um, So he taught me how to patch the plaster. And then I told Monsignor when he got back, because again, the conscience and uh, Monsignor laughed. He thought it was hysterical. He patched <laughs> um, the plaster before it was seen by the pastor. I, I did. <laughs> Thank you. I, your rhyme game is strong. Thank you. That's a good, that's a good one. Well, hopefully your golf game, <laughs> my rhyme game uh, stays stronger than your golf game. Yeah. Uh, or at least stronger than the ceilings at Our Lady of the Greenwood of the Most Holy Lord Rosary. Queen of the... Queen of the Most Holy yes. Rosary. Father Jeff, thank you so much for joining us. Always a pleasure. Can't wait to have you back on again. I look forward to it, guys. Thanks a lot. God bless. Yeah. Heal up well. It's all right, because I'm a sepulchre. It's all right, because I'm a sepulchre. It's all right, because I'm a sepulchre Sunday.